Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Hey everyone, I'm here before the episode starts to bring you learning moments with Amy. Now that I've been podcasting and advocating for a few years, my understanding of endometriosis, as well as the issues that our community faces, well, they've really evolved and progressed over the years. So I've been going through our earliest episodes because I want to make sure that these earliest published episodes have accurate information in them. Before the episode starts, I want to reiterate some points that we make throughout the episode. Um, I think it's good to make them again at the beginning before we dive right in. So Brittany and I talked today about how we're looking at our relationship with food and when we eat for emotional reasons, such as to soothe or to comfort or to celebrate. And what we don't want is we don't want this conversation to play into diet culture and to make us feel ashamed or guilty for eating for reasons besides hunger. Diet culture is toxic. And it's equated food with morality. And it wrongly says that if you eat or don't eat a certain way, that you're good or bad. And this isn't true. And as we talked today about eating to celebrate, eating to self-soothe, to distract ourselves from boredom, etc., I really want to emphasize that we are not demonizing this, and we are not judging anyone for doing this. Instead, what we're trying to do is better understand ourselves and to have more awareness and mindfulness about how we eat. For me, there are two reasons why I've been examining this. The first one is that when it comes to uncomfortable emotions, such as loneliness or sadness, I really wasn't processing my feelings, and instead I was using food, sometimes unknowingly, sometimes knowingly, to escape from them, Um, which really wasn't physically or emotionally healthy in my case. And the second reason is that eating, in general, uh, makes me feel sick pretty often. Especially when I eat foods that are commonly used for soothing and celebrating, like ice cream, chips, cake, alcohol, things like that. I have a lot of flares associated with food. And flaring absolutely has a negative impact on my mental health. I'm at the point where I only want to eat when I'm physically hungry because doing so improves my quality of life. And I totally recognize that this isn't for everyone, and I'm not saying that everyone has to live like I do, but this is my personal case. And so this is why I'm exploring my relationship with food. And what I've been doing is when I want food to give me a feeling or accompany me through a specific moment, like a celebration or a breakup, I look for that feeling elsewhere. You know, for pleasure, I might rub my feet. For comfort, I might hug my cat. To celebrate, I go to the park instead of getting a cake. 
To soothe my feelings, I often wrap my arms around myself in a self-hug, and I gently rock back and forth to soothing music. And in this way, I can still have plenty of moments of joy and comfort, but they're separate from eating. And so they don't turn into suffering by me getting sick soon after partaking in them, which is what happens when I use food for that purpose. And in this way, as I've been being more mindful of my relationship with food and emotions, um, really, apart from when my stomach is rumbling and I'm about to prepare a meal to nourish myself, I'm no longer thinking about food at all. And honestly, I'm finding that very emotionally freeing. And again, everyone is individual. And I'm just sharing my personal experience and my reason for talking about these topics in this episode today. All right, thanks for joining Learning Moments with Amy, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today we're going to talk about using food as a source of comfort. And this is a part two to the previous episode we just aired on the topic of food, feelings, fear, and flares. (gasps) Oh, you just got me with all that alliterative Fs. Mm, I love it. Thank you, Brittany. I'm so phenomenal and funny and fantastic. You know phenomenal starts with a PH, not an F, right? So moving on, (laughs) changing the subject, Brittany, why don't you tell us what we talked about in the last episode and what we'll talk about in this episode to take your mind off of making fun of me and pointing out the flaws. (laughs) F. You can go Oh, wow. In part one, we've talked a lot about how we could have fear towards food when we have fear towards our flares. And we've spent a lot of time talking about how to acknowledge the feelings that you're feeling, how to address them and not ignore them. And while what we've mostly talked about so far has to do with the fear response, I also think that can be on the flip side for the comfort response. When we use food to comfort us rather than dealing with the emotions that we're feeling, or the stress, or the sadness, or the fear. We can use food also to ignore those feelings. So while we've talked about dealing with our feelings in terms of not wanting to eat, I think we should also talk about how to deal with our feelings when we use food as a source of comfort. Okay, so you're telling me to change gears, and now we're no longer going to be afraid of food. We're going to be comforted by food, and we're going to have so much pleasure by food. Too much pleasure? I'm going (laughs) to numb my feelings by eating food. Oh, see, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. So we didn't deal with our feelings. And I got really sick and I just, I feel kind of sad and kind of lonely. And I'm going to go in my freezer and I'm going to take out my ice cream flavor, loneliness, (laughs) topping, depression. Oh, Lord. Sprinkled with. Chunks of being a victim in there. Oh, that sounds like a serial killer drama. <laughs> we went a different direction there just then. <laughs> Not the victim of a serial killer. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The okay, victim sorry. of an endometriosis. Flare. Okay, okay. Okay, we have my isolation. We have my depression. We have my loneliness. Oh, you forgot the Ooh. swirl of anxiety. I also forgot the chocolate chips of I'm a burden. Mm. The cherry on top. Why does this always happen to me? The back breaking brittle. <laughs> I forgot that too. <laughs> So, Brittany, are we referring to emotional eating right now? Yes, we are. The kind of eating you do when you don't want to deal with your emotions. 
So instead of facing your feelings, you face a bowl of ice cream. Yummy. And yes. <laughs> well, I feel like ice cream is a food that a lot of us really turn to when we're sad. Yeah, haven't you ever seen any ice. TV show or movie? <laughs> There's a breakup. They bring oh, the I'm ice so cream. sad. Where's my chocolate ice cream? They bring a, open up a gallon of ice cream and they both sit there. Like, I mean, that's oh. like a trope on TV at this point. What if you're bored? Yeah, then you're just going to grab whatever's in the pantry. You can open the fridge like five times. You're like, oh, let me open it. It's no. a magic fridge. Don't Something like, will appear the Don't like time. anything. Ooh, let me close the fridge. Ooh, let me open it again. Mm, nope, just really nothing. Still don't Snackable like anything. Here. Let me close it again. Ooh, what's in the pantry? Ooh, what's in the cabinet above the oven? Just some pots and pans. Oh, <laughs> blasted. Boiled again. Blasted. Why did I get on a chair and look there? I knew there was no food there. <laughs> Hidden stash of snacks. <laughs> what about when we're stressed? And the salty snack monster is going to come out and you're going to inhale every potato chip in sight. Potato chips sound really good right now. It does sound like, I, I must, are we under stress right now? Well, I'm kind of under stress. The box is a little stressful. It's hot in here and talking about our relationship with food. You're right. I'm feeling a lot of discomfort. I'm going to go get chips. Where are the sour cream and onion chips? Amy's arch nemesis, the sour cream and onion chips. Well, and that's, for me, I think that's really true because if I feel a lot of stress like, if I'm having a stressful day and then happen to go to the grocery store that day, and then I happen to find myself in the sour cream and onion aisle, I mean the chip aisle where the sour cream and onion chips live, and then I happen to find myself in front of the green bag, and then I happen to see myself <laughs> reaching for the chips, and then I happen to see the chips in my cart, and I'm like, how did those get there? And then I happen to leave the aisle, and then I'm like, ooh, I don't want to eat these chips. And then suddenly I happen to see the chips leave my cart and then end up, like, next to the olives or whatever aisle I'm in, like you know, abandoned. You're one of those people. Well, wait for it. So then I happen <laughs> to leave the chips and kind of like looking at them longingly. And I'm Wistfully. like, okay, bye. Like, I really don't need you. Enjoyed the time I had with you. And then I happen to see myself turning the cart around and then being like, I'm so sorry I abandoned you. I come back for you. Don't worry. You're going to go home with me. Everything is fine. <laughs> and then I happen to find myself in the checkout line and the whole time eyeing the chips. And I'm like, ooh, should I get the chips? Should I not get the chips? Mm, should I get the and then I happen to be in the car eating the chips and then I happen to finish the bag before I get home. And then the car wheel gets all like covered in the powder Greasy. of the chips and then I have to lick the car wheel. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's unsanitary. <laughs> and then I stick my head in the bag of the sour cream and onion so I can get every little last. I hope you don't do that while you're driving. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, okay. I do. I just like poke. Eye holes? Yeah, I just poke holes in the bag for my eyes. And now eyes. you're a chip head. Chip bag head. <laughs> You have become the sour cream Ma'am, take chip. that bag off your head. I'm like, but I'm not done licking the inside. I can't. Unless you buy me a whole new bag and this one's not coming off. What if I'm having a moment where I'm just feeling a little bit lonely? Well, that's when we reach for the chocolate. Oh, God, the chocolate. <laughs> Ooh, what if I'm having a moment where I kind of feel like having sex, but then I don't really want to have sex? Nuts are good for that. I was going to say that's crunch, when, crunch, crunch, crunch. That's when you reach for the chocolate. <laughs> that's when I just have so much pent up frustration. You just crunch the crunchy nuts. <laughs> so I think for many of us, we have foods that we do end up associating with certain emotions that we're feeling. Like when we are feeling these emotions, we're more apt to turn to these favorite food of ours. Because food has a chemical reaction in our bodies, and that's why it can cause us the endoflare, and in the same way, food can release chemicals in our brains, the dopamine, 
that makes us feel comforted, that makes us feel like we're being soothed. Like when I eat some cookies, I feel like a baby birdie pushed into the large bosoms of Brittany. Oh my, we're back to that. (laughs) Being stroked, my little, tiny little fluff on my head. Brittany singing a little lullaby to me. Oh, little baby birdie. As I eat my chocolate peanut butter chip (laughs) cookies. Mm, So good. Oh, Brittany's bosom. So good. Oh, I feel like so comforted right now. I mean, yeah, I get that. (laughs) But I think food, I mean, food can entertain us. That's why so many of us, if we're at work or we're bored or we're like watching a movie, food is entertaining as we're putting the popcorn in our mouth and the chips in our mouth and ooh, and the spicy food. And we're like, ooh, la la, life is so spicy in this moment. All of this talk is giving me heartburn. Food is all around us. Food is ever present in our lives. Food is everywhere almost all the time. And I think that food for many of us becomes something that we turn to and that we rely on. Food is there for us. It's like the worst best friend ever. I think this is also taught to us, you know, like Amy said earlier. We aren't born afraid of food. We also aren't born being comforted by food. As we spoke a little bit about how the trope of eating ice cream when the character is sad on the TV, that's kind of what we grow up seeing. When we are upset, our parents may placate us with food. When we've done something monumental, we have a party and it's full of all certain types of party food. When we do something good, we're rewarded with a treat. A rewarded with a treat. Like a kitty. Or a doggie. Or a turtle. When we are not feeling our best or we're sad, we may be comforted by our parents or a friend with a type of food. So it's kind of like we're conditioned to associate certain feelings with the act of eating. And instead of dealing with the sadness or just being happy for the celebration, it feels like you can't do one without the other. So I can't have a Christmas without food. (gasps) Wait. So what I gathered from everything you just said is that it's my parents' fault (laughs) if I have emotional eating. Because when I was sad, they were like, here, have this food. When I went to the doctor and they pricked my finger, they were like, have a lollipop for the hardship. Just hold on. Do you remember the days when you were young and your biggest hardship was that you just got your finger pricked at the doctor? That you got a shot. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they gave That's you so your dramatic. for all the difficult, the challenge that Good you just girl. went through. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so great if that was like, if that's what happened that now? Was the when you went, stress. Yeah, like when you went to the doctor now, they weren't like, oh. Open your legs for the pap smear. It was, oh, here's a shot and a lollipop. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> no, but even now when you win, you're like, oh, you know. I have endometriosis. And they're like, we'll just prick your finger and give you a lollipop and you'll be fine. Okay. Oh, my God. Wonderful. (laughs) Great. But yeah, like from a really young age, I think it's inculcated in us that food goes along with our feelings. How many of us nowadays in our own vocabulary, we say things like, oh, I had a really tough day at work. I have to unwind with a glass of wine or oh, I had a great day. I got a promotion. I deserve to go out to dinner at my favorite restaurant. Also, what I gather from that is that in all of those years when I was terrified of eating, I wasn't able to partake in all of the pleasures of comforting myself with food. You missed out. 
But what we're talking about isn't an effective way to deal with your emotions either. It's not healthy. So it's good you didn't have both (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) You're like, I am so scared of eating. I don't want to eat. I'm like so scared. Oh, my God, but I'm so scared. I should eat something to comfort my feelings. (laughs) That'd be very complex. And if you are experiencing that, I don't know how to help. (laughs) That's very complex. So when we talk about emotional eating here, we're specifically referring to the times where we eat because we're feeling something, not because we're actually hungry. So there are some disordered eating behaviors like binge eating disorder, other various things. But we're not talking about that specifically. We're talking about experiencing a feeling like sadness or excitement or stress or anger. And eating to soothe that feeling rather than dealing with the emotion or eating because we're hungry. We always want to remind you that we are not mental health professionals of any kind or any kind of medical professional. We're just two people talking about the struggles that we face with our illnesses, our feelings, and our food. As we mentioned in the previous episode, we really encourage you to reach out to a mental health professional if you're concerned you have disordered eating behaviors or need support in general. As Brittany clarified, we are speaking today about the general and common practice of quote-unquote eating our feelings and using food to soothe our feelings instead of actually being with them. We have all developed unhealthy ways to run away from our feelings or avoid them, especially uncomfortable feelings. And for some of us, this can include tactics such as substance abuse or overexercising. Or for me, I know mine is being really, 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 really busy so that I don't have to think about anything and I can completely distract myself from the way that I feel. And for some people, as we're talking about today, it's eating. I think that all of us have eaten for emotional reasons in the past. Like I can't imagine any of us here on this earth as humans that haven't eaten at least once for an emotional reason. Because food causes all those beautiful chemicals to go off in our brains. And so dopamine's really great. It really does soothe you when you're sad and you eat ice cream. Like it just like fills a hole in your soul. Ooh, that should be another flavor. Ben and Jerry's, we have a flavor idea. Hole in your soul. There's ice cream and then there's a core of soul. I don't know. There's just a hole in it and you put your soul in it. I've lost the plot. The flavor's a bust. Don't make it. Before we move on, we want to clarify that eating food for emotional reasons isn't bad per se. As humans, we don't only eat because we're hungry. So it's not healthy or realistic to expect that someone wouldn't eat for emotional reasons once in a while. Not every one of our meals is going to be nutrient-dense, and that's okay. Sometimes we eat to celebrate, sometimes we eat to soothe ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. Our episode today is more about when this emotional eating crosses the line to become a pattern of harmful behavior for us, for when we consistently use food as an unhealthy coping mechanism. You know, I think for Brittany and I, we are looking into this because the food that we typically use to emotionally eat is food that gives us flares. And that's why we're trying to look for other reasons besides food to attend to our feelings Because for me personally, it's not helpful for me to feel sad 
and then eat some ice cream or eat some chocolate and then get a migraine or then get fatigued or then get bloating and gas because then I'm sad and then I'm flaring and then I'm annoyed that food makes me sick. And it just turns into this vicious cycle that I don't want to be in. And it only adds more layers to whatever I was originally feeling. Because when I eat for emotional reasons, I'm never reaching for foods that don't make me sick. Because think about it. Okay. (laughs) You're like, oh my God, I'm so sad. I'm going to eat some roasted broccoli to comfort myself. (laughs) That's not comforting. (laughs) You're like, oh my God, I just got promoted at work. I am going to go home and I'm going to make the best Brussels sprouts in this world. (laughs) And I'm going to eat them to celebrate my pay raise. It doesn't go as well. You're like, I just had a really challenging breakup with the person that I was with for the last 12 years. I think some asparagus would really hit the spot right now and just really make me feel better about that. Also, have you ever noticed that you don't typically crave nutrient-dense food when you're doing emotional eating? You crave salty food and sweet food. You crave the food that makes that dopamine. Yeah, that's why we don't crave the asparagus. We crave the cake because the cake gives us a pleasure response in our brain. It makes total sense why it's that way. The carbs, the uh-huh. bread, <laughs> the sugar. Now I want bread. The chocolate. <laughs> Ooh, now I want bread covered in carbs, covered in sugar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> covered in chocolate. Oh, my. The chocolate bread. <laughs> Babka. <laughs> And that's only the physical half. So as we mentioned, the emotional part, one, that elicits a good response in our brains when we're feeling emotion. And the reason why emotional eating is also damaging on the emotional side is because you never actually deal with the feeling or deal with the problem. So if you say, okay, I'm really sad, so I'm going to eat something that gives a dopamine response to my brain. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to ignore the reason I feel sad. I'm not going to unpack my sadness at breaking up. I'm not going to unpack how I feel about that. I'm, I'm going to bury num- it. I'm going to numb myself. Yes. I'm going to escape. Yes. I'm going to run away. Yes. <gasps> Mentally. I'm going to try to change my feelings through food. Yes. Now oh, it makes sense, huh? Oh, dear. <laughs> Are you thinking about all the times you've done this? Because I'm thinking about all the times I've done this. I'm thinking about a time when I went away for Christmas and I wanted to be in a cabin by myself to work on my book. And I was all alone and I was really excited because I just wanted like time, like uninterrupted time for me to work on my book. And then in the middle of the night, I got bit by a scorpion on Christmas morning and it hurt really bad and I didn't know what happened and my finger was throbbing and I started having allergic reaction and I was all by myself and I got so scared and then my lips started tingling and then I felt like my throat was closing up and then I had to go to the ER on Christmas by myself and no one was there and I was in a really small town and it cost me a thousand dollars. And in the end, they just told me to take Benadryl, and I didn't know I should have done that in the first place, and it was awful. And then I had to leave the cabin because then I couldn't pay for it anymore. And then I had to go home, and I was so sad. And on the way home, I just wanted to eat a bunch of cookies, so I did. I ate a whole bag of cookies, and then (laughs) I had diarrhea on the drive home because it was two hours, and I had eaten a whole bag of cookies, and I recognized that I was feeling really sad, but I ate them anyway because I was so sad because I was alone. And even though I'd wanted to be alone, I didn't actually want to be alone, like... Alone, alone, alone? <laughs> like, having been bit by a scorpion, I had envisioned myself being alone, writing my book on the lakefront, even though there was no lake there. We live <laughs> in all a... the woods. Exactly. But I had envisioned a lake, and I had envisioned writing in the tiny little cabin. But all of that went downhill, and then I went home, and then on the way home, I had diarrhea. And then it was, like, one of the worst Christmases ever, Aww. and it was just so sad, and I just 
ate and ate and ate because I didn't want to feel sad. Well, did it make you feel better? No, because then I felt so (laughs) guilty and I felt so disappointed in myself that I had been so weak and so out of control and so selfish. And I was telling myself that I was such a disappointment and that I was pathetic and that I'd eaten a whole bag of cookies and I knew I could not eat cookies because sugar makes me so ridiculously sick. But when I went to get the Benadryl, I also went to get the cookies and then I ate the cookies and it was really awful. And then I just was such a loser who was by myself on Christmas and everyone was with their families and I was just all by myself and my finger was throbbing and I couldn't write because my finger had been bitten. And you see, Brittany, how terrible it was. And that's why I ate the cookies. And then I was so guilty. And then I cried about how guilty I felt because I was such a pathetic loser. (laughs) (laughs) This just gets worse and worse. (laughs) The downward spiral. Oh, my. And by the tone of your voice right now, I almost feel like by just thinking about it, you're on your way there again. All because of some cookies. No, Brittany. All because of a feeling of being lonely Mm -hmm. because I was fine. I was hoping you'd come to that conclusion. Because I was fine being alone in the cabin and I didn't feel lonely until I had been tragically bitten by a scorpion in my finger and my entire arm throbbed and puffed up. And then I realized that because I faced that experience that felt scary and sad, and then it was coupled with being Christmas and I was alone, I just had these feelings of really intense loneliness. And that's why I went to the cookies. You tried to fill the loneliness hole with some cookies. Yeah. Did they fill the loneliness hole? They filled a toilet bowl later. (laughs) (laughs) Not the loneliness hole. They did not fill the loneliness hole. And then I just felt so terrible about myself after. And I think, too, that's one of the things is like a lot of times when we turn to eating to numb our emotions, we're aware that we're doing that or we're like subconsciously aware. You know, like when I was reaching for the cookies, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm so lonely. I have to eat this cookies. All I knew was that suddenly I really had an intense craving for eating cookies. And I was in the drugstore and there were cookies there. And so I went to that aisle and I bought cookies and I didn't bought cookies in like seriously like 10 years. An impulse to eat to appease the sudden cravings. That's usually a reliable sign of emotional eating. Relatable. And then I found myself eating a bag of cookies, fancy cookies. Well, the fanciest cookies you can get at a drugstore. <laughs> drug okay, not just like the che- I was like, ooh, you have $10 cookies. Yes, I need those. But they're still cookies. By the time I finished the cookies, like I knew, okay, I'm eating because I'm lonely. And I like couldn't stop myself. I was like, but I have to finish the bag. And then I'll be alone in the room without <laughs> the cookies. So now that we've learned that Amy's arch nemesis foods are cookies and sour cream and onion chips. You have a cookie sandwich where you put a cookie and then you put chips and no. then you put more cookie. No. No, that mixture of flavor would just be. <laughs> <That> sounds awful. <laughs> you eat a cookie and then you eat a bunch of chips and you eat the cookies so you keep alternating. Oh, okay. Salty sweet, salty That's how sweet. people win the eating contests, I guess. Oh, is by alternating the flavors yeah. and the textures? Because that otherwise sense. you get tired. You know, after a while you get like tired and you cannot Food even. Food fatigue. <laughs> yeah, you cannot even taste. Like when you just keep eating the chips, at some point you just like halfway through the bag, you don't even taste the chips anymore. Yeah, your taste buds are overloaded. They're like, oh, what is this thing? So you got to switch to the cookie and then go back to the no, chip. Says it. the people who win the pie eating contest. <laughs> Different pies. Switch they the eat pies. the pie. They eat a hamburger. They eat a pie. Ew. <laughs> A hamburger pie? Just ew. A pie burger? <laughs> These awful combinations you're coming up with. 
No, but I want to unpack a little bit about why eating the cookies made things worse for you and why it never actually dealt with the feeling of loneliness. Did you ever actually deal with why you felt so lonely and rectify that emotion? Or did you just kind of like hope it would go away and then never really deal with it? Well, I don't know if a lot of feelings can really be rectified. I think what I do now, like if I feel lonely or if I feel sad, is just I just be with the feeling. So instead of trying to turn to an unhealthy coping mechanism to not feel those feelings, because like feeling lonely is such an uncomfortable feeling. Like you feel so heavy in your body. You feel so hollow. You feel empty. You feel this deep gnawing, this insatiable longing. We don't want to feel like that. That's not a feeling that we like to feel. But all of these feelings are a part of being human. And I think that's something that I had to learn was, it's okay if I feel lonely. It's okay if I feel sad. Like, I can be with those feelings. And by slowly learning to be with those feelings, the feelings, they go away. Like, they're not forever. Like, in that moment when I felt lonely because of the scorpion bite, because it was Christmas, it's not like I was going to feel lonely forever. And so sometimes, too, I think like we feel a feeling and we feel like that feeling is going to be with us forever. So I have to get away from it because I don't want to feel like that forever. Just like I'm not going to feel lonely forever. Many feelings do pass once we fully allow them in. And to do that, we need kindness and we need compassion towards ourselves. What we don't need is self-judgment or self-loathing. But unfortunately... (laughs) For all of us. <laughs> yeah, two, two uh, that I'm very familiar with, self-judgment and self-loathing. Unfortunately, these are really common ways that we often face our feelings instead of letting them in with kindness and with love. And that is something that I have been really working on. I'm learning right now to be with my feelings and to be okay with my feelings. And one way that I'm doing this is by naming my feelings. And naming them helps me shift from being totally consumed and overwhelmed by my feelings to then being aware of the feelings. So for example, I would have said in that moment, lonely, I'm lonely, longing, sad. When I learn to identify my feelings and then be with my feelings instead of trying to actively avoid them, It actually, it's amazing. Like, it shocked me how quickly most of my feelings faded. Sometimes my feelings fade within minutes. Sometimes it takes a few hours, and sometimes it takes a day or two. But it's just so funny because in my mind, I hadn't wanted to feel my feelings because I thought that my feelings were going to linger and fester and that they were going to last for weeks and for months. And of course, if feelings do last that long and they become more like a state, that I'm living from, like not a feeling of sadness, but like a constant state of sadness. Or if if my sadness is too overwhelming or if it's too all-consuming, then of course I can reach out to a counselor or to a mental health professional and I can get support with being with these feelings and with processing them. But most of the time, I find that I'm more capable of holding my uncomfortable feelings than I ever thought that I would be. And I think sometimes the brain convinces you that if you feel your feelings, like you're going to die. (laughs) It's imminent threat. Don't you think so? Like, so you're like, oh my God, if I think I feel lonely and like, if I fully feel this loneliness, like 
I think I'm going to fall apart and crumble and die. It's going to burn me up from the inside. (laughs) Yeah, like feelings, they can feel so, depending on what your feelings are, like if it's loneliness or fear or embarrassment, feelings can be so terrifying. They can be uncomfortable. They're distressing. They can feel shameful. And I think in those cases, we all have to get to know ourselves and ease into the situation the way that's best for us. Like for me, I began feeling these feelings incrementally, not just like, oh, I'm avoiding my feelings and now I'm jumping into the deep end of the pool, but more dipping my toe in and going down the ladder slowly to get in the pool of my feelings and feeling my feelings incrementally and being like, okay, I can be with these feelings for just a couple of minutes. And the next time I could be with them longer and the next time longer. And what I've seen is that as I continue to expose myself to my own feelings and get deeper and deeper into the pool of my feelings, and I guess to keep the pool analogy going, swimming in my feelings or when <laughs> learning I, how to swim in your feelings. Yeah, like practicing experiencing my feelings, the more comfortable I get with my feelings, even the really big ones, and the better I get at being with them. I think sitting with our emotions is really valuable because it helps us to acknowledge what we're experiencing and kind of to unpack why we're experiencing that. As somebody with anxiety, I don't always know why I'm anxious. So sometimes I have to really analyze that. And then after I've done that and I've acknowledged the emotion and started to process it, the next step for me is doing something with or about it. So if I'm feeling a lot of anger, I deal with why I'm angry. I acknowledge that. And then I outlet that energy into something like going for a walk or sometimes you go in the bathroom and you just scream. (laughs) I just I do something to help that emotion. So if I'm feeling an extreme long term amount of sadness or I'm dealing with grief, then acknowledging that feeling and turning to counseling is a really great tool. I also really like to deal with my sadness by creating beauty. So if I'm feeling really sad or lonely, I acknowledge that feeling. I deal with the source of it. And then I like to craft things because I can create beauty while I'm feeling really sad. So first acknowledging that you're feeling something, figuring out why you're feeling it. And if you can do something about it, doing something to channel that rather than ignoring the feeling or running away from it or trying to escape it. For me, I think a really important place that I started was trying to recognize when I was feeling emotions in my body because sometimes we're not even aware that we're feeling something. Like sometimes just suddenly a craving comes on or you feel like really desperate to have some ice cream or eat some chips or to go to the drive-thru and get a hamburger. And for me realizing, okay, oftentimes when these sudden cravings are coming on, it's really a sign that I'm feeling something that I don't realize that I'm feeling. So oftentimes I ask myself, okay, why do I want this food? Am I hungry? Mm, I don't think that I'm, I'm not feeling hungry. I'm feeling just, I want this food. Okay, am I feeling something? Did something happen? Am I feeling bored? Am I feeling sad? Did something happen in my day? And if I go through all those questions and I ask myself and I realize, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of bored right now. Or yeah, I am feeling sad because someone said that thing to me at work and it just made me feel really sad and deflated afterwards. And I'm just kind of looking to soothe myself. Asking those questions when you find yourself holding the fridge door open, staring inside is so helpful. 
I usually ask myself, am I physically hungry right now? Is my blood sugar feeling low? Is my stomach rumbling? Or am I emotionally hungry? By that I mean, am I longing for something like connection or stress relief, entertainment, but I'm confusing the emotional feeling with a physical craving for food? Ooh, I love the self-interrogation there. (laughs) Brittany points finger at self. Why are you doing the things that you are doing? (laughs) Why are you holding the fridge door? I don't know. I just go in front of a mirror and say, why are you doing this? And then I answer myself. I don't know why I'm in front of the fridge, but I can't walk away. I can't let the door go. I'm always saying me to me. Why are you doing this? Me to me. Because I want to. I mean, it's it's an internal argument that I have all the time. My fridge is reflective. That might have something to do with it. (laughs) Wow. I think you'd be really good Saturday night entertainment. (laughs) Thank you. Well, with time, we can get better at realizing that our cravings, our longings, they're emotionally driven in some cases. Cravings can be really seductive. They pull us towards food, and it can be a very strong feeling and very hard to resist. And if you eat it, then yes, we're going to get that dopamine hit. Dopamine. Sweet, sweet dopamine. So to be clear, food, especially sugar and carbs. <laughs> Sorry, wait. Brittany's in front of the fridge and she goes, self, and she points at self. Why are you in front of the fridge? And she goes, self, the dopamine. <laughs> Need the dopamine. And then the self is like, yes, we love dopamine. <laughs> Get the dopamine, girl. Self takes self hand and reaches for sugar and carbs in fridge. <laughs> Needs dopamine. <laughs> well, yeah, those sugar and carbs release the chemicals in our brain. That sweet, sweet dopamine. That can temporarily, temporarily, keyword, soothe us. Temporarily. Yes, temporarily. But uh, the dopamine hits, but it also runs away real quick. Soothes us temporarily. Temporarily. Because food will not actually fill the root cause of our actual hunger if (laughs) it's emotional. I know. I wish I could just be like, I'm sad, eats cake that fills sad hole, and sad hole is satisfied and no longer sad. I really wish it worked that way, but it really doesn't. Food doesn't satisfy our emotional needs, even though our brain can trick us into feeling like it might in the moment. So when we eat, we feel good for a bit. And then because we didn't actually address the problem, we want to eat again to get that temporary comfort again. Temporary. So it's like this cycle that we keep going through. And subconsciously, our brains are trying to tell us that we can just feed away or eat away the feeling, but we can't do that. We need to make a distinction between this mindless drive to eat our emotions. <laughs> What's that? It's sadness. <laughs> Goes in the mouth. <laughs> it's boredom. Mm, crunchy. <laughs> Still bored now. <laughs> but this mindless drive to snack because we want to, quote unquote, satisfy our emotions temporarily or conscious snacking. Because, Two very different things. Yeah, because it's okay to snack. We don't want to villainize and like demonize snacking or eating chips or eating cookies. It is okay to eat the things that we want to eat, but it's important to eat mindfully. I think that's really the key, like to eat with intention, not to be driven by our like subconscious desires to numb our feelings or mindless eating out of boredom to say, gosh, I really like to eat a slice of pecan pie. 
So there is nothing wrong with wanting something. There is nothing wrong with indulging in something. There's nothing wrong with sometimes treating ourselves, but it's doing it mindfully. If I make the decision that I want to have some ice cream, coconut cream ice cream with a chocolate flavor, mmm, delicious. Then I eat that intentionally. I eat it because I want it. And after I finish eating it, I don't feel guilt. I don't beat myself up. I don't say, oh my God, how could you eat that? Now you're going to have a flare. You're so out of control. I don't start the self-judgment, self-critic train in my head about how awful I am for eating that. I'm a failure. I'm a disappointment. I'm a loser. Those thoughts are toxic and they take away from the enjoyment of the food. And I also don't turn to eating ice cream. Like if I come home and I know that I'm having a bad day, I also don't pull out the ice cream in that moment. When I choose to eat ice cream as a treat, which I do maybe once a week, I do it with full enjoyment. I'm not trying to hide from something. I'm not trying to escape from something. I'm not later going to feel so guilty and sad with myself about it. Like I say, ooh, I really want to eat ice cream right now. And so I go ahead and I eat the ice cream. Yeah, the point isn't to not have tasty foods. I am the daughter of a pastry chef, and I love baking, and I make plenty of tasty baked goods. That's not the point. The point is to not use food or sex or anything else, even exercise in some cases, as a way to not deal with what we're feeling. And I think when you have endometriosis, there's so many feelings surrounding so many different things. There's fear, there's trauma, there's sadness, there's isolation, there's loneliness. There's so many different feelings that you can feel as a result of living with this disease. And when we don't deal with those emotions, we can develop unhealthy coping mechanisms. So it's just really important to recognize these things and make sure we're not using something like food, which could cause us to have further issues like flares, to deflect those feelings instead of dealing with them. So basically what you're saying is that dealing with my feelings is at the heart of improving my relationship with food and having a healthy relationship with food. Yes. Oh, food is not feelings and feelings is not food, even though they both start with F. (laughs) But so does fear and food is not fear. (gasps) Food is not a foe. Food is not a friend. Food is just food. So we just want to reiterate. After 30 minutes of talking about the relationship between food and our feelings that we are not trying to demonize eating for reasons that isn't hunger, because occasionally eating to celebrate or to self-soothe is a natural part of human eating. We don't want this episode today to play into the toxicity of diet culture and to make us feel ashamed or guilty for eating for reasons besides hunger. Really what we're trying to do here is we're trying to better understand ourselves so that we can have more awareness and more mindfulness. And as someone, me, (laughs) who gets sick from most of the food that she eats, especially from the sweet and salty snacks that my emotions tend to crave, although not at the same time, I just, I don't want to be turning to food for every celebration or every bad day that I have. Because flaring frequently hurts my mental health. So now that we talked about all of that, I just 
do I really want to examine my relationship with food? I mean, yeah, maybe I'm afraid of food or maybe I'm using food as an unhealthy way to cope with a whole bunch of feelings. But is that really that bad? I mean, it just feels so uncomfortable looking at my relationship with food writing. Like, do I really have to do it? And then do I have to write an essay about it? <laughs> I don't require 300, 300 words, double spaced, one inch margin. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in college. <laughs> if you fail the class, they shove food down your throat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> if you fail the class, you have to start the podcast from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no homework. But that's a good question. Why does it matter? Why is it important to examine our relationship with food? I personally think it's important for both sides of the spectrum. Well, who asked you? You did. Oh, okay. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> Do you want my answer or not? Yeah, we want the super answer of why it's Brittany. <laughs> give it to us, please. No, seriously, give it to us. Brittany's really wise. Like, give me the answer, Brittany. Okay. When we don't deal with our feelings, we bottle them up. And that's like a very common phrase to hear is bottled up your feelings and then the bottle exploded. And that's what can happen when we don't face or confront or acknowledge our feelings, we keep them all inside of us and they can poison us. They can turn into resentment, into anger, into bitterness. They can turn into rotten milk. Yeah, ew. (laughs) Yes, chunky rotten milk. (laughs) But we don't want to be filled with things like that. We're already filled with endometriosis. We don't need to also be filled with these horrible, painful feelings. So when we examine the relationship and why we're eating foods when we feel certain ways, we can help ourselves to, again, feel neutral towards feelings or to examine our feelings with the end goal being processing our feelings so that we can acknowledge how we feel, address the feelings, and help ourselves to move through the feelings and work towards finding a sense of calm or balance or peace within ourselves. That's why it's important to examine our emotions because emotions never go away. We have them, whether they're fear, anger, happiness, sadness, excitement, whatever the feeling is, they're always going to be there and they're always going to come back. We're going to experience them multiple times a day throughout our lives. So it's important to work with them rather than try to block them or let them control us. You've convinced me. I'm going to look at my relationship with food. Because I want to become skilled at being with my feelings and processing them and no longer hiding from them. And then while I'm hiding from them, without my realizing it, they're secretly poisoning me from the inside. And I don't even realize that. And also because I want to have a healthy, happy, calm, peaceful relationship with food in which we have sunset picnics together, romantic walks on the beach. We sit on the cliff's edge, watching the sun go down, dangling our feet over the edge of the cliff, looking at the ocean below. I'm just imagining a Swiss cheese wheel (laughs) with a face and (laughs) legs and arms, because that's just what popped in my head. And that is a hilarious image, and I love it. (laughs) You go on the date with that Swiss cheese wheel, Amy. (laughs) How did you two meet? Oh, in the dairy aisle of the supermarket. (laughs) (laughs) I was very hungry, and he looked great, so I chose him. And then we fell in love. Amy, that's such a cheesy love story. It really melts my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Swiss melted too when I put him on my grilled cheese. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Like, oh, our romantic relationship is over. I'll buy another one. It's fine. (laughs) 
my hunger came and I fed myself. And that is how my Swiss cheese man died. And that, I grated him first. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, Torture. my poor love. He's like, what did I do to deserve this? I'm like, no, you existed. <laughs> <laughs> there is no feelings here. It is just food. You it's are food. It's all neutral. I just feel so calm and at peace. <laughs> Try to feel the same as you face your fate with the grater. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> As I'm grating away Mr. Swiss, he's like, oh, I'm feeling so angry at you. <laughs> Just acknowledge those feelings. Sit with them. You won't have to for long because I'm almost done. <laughs> R.I.P. Mr. Cheese. Oh, well, that's life. We hope this episode today has helped you think in many ways about your relationship with food and the reason why it's important to look at our relationship with food. We'd love for you to reach out to us. Let us know your relationship with food. Do you have a comfort food? What is your go-to food? What do you like eating when you feel stressed? Because we all feel stressed. So is there a food that you turn to when you feel stressed? Could it be sour cream and onion potato chips? <laughs> mm. Is it Swiss cheese? So please reach out to us. We are on Instagram at in16yearsofendo. And we are on the website in 16years.com. Thank you so much for listening. And it was great. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) It was so great to grate that cheese. I mean, to spend today with you. You're so punny. Thank you. Bye. 